Hi, I'm Dominic Insinius, leader of The Heart. I want to welcome you to The Heart Podcast. Thank you for letting us be a small part in your journey of faith. I hope this message today encourages you and strengthens you. Big things can happen when we expect God to move, so I pray today that God would speak to you through this message. Now, we are, uh, we're starting a brand new message series today. And so uh, every now and then, every few weeks or so, we'll have a new idea that we'll jump into. We just finished a series on hope. So if you need some hope in your life, and we did a four-week message series called Start With Hope. That was a good one. That was a lot of fun to dig into. Today, we're starting a message series called Versus. And what we want to dig into is when it comes to our life, our faith, do we have a religious approach or a spiritual approach? Religion versus spirituality. And if you look up online or, you know, you know, Google this, religion versus spirituality, you'll have a lot, a lot will come up. And there's a lot of things that talk about how religion can be dangerous or spirituality can be a little too, you can't put your hands on it, a little ethereal. But what I want to do is for the next few weeks, and I want you to be on this journey with me, is I want to talk about how religion and spirituality are not quite the opposites that we might think that they are. In fact, a lot of, when, when it comes to uh, religion and spirituality, when it comes to our faith, I want to today, I want to talk about how what we bring to that conversation, what we bring to that thought, the, the views that we come with. And I, and I want to tell you a story. So about, uh, gosh, it was about 32 years ago now, uh, my family moved from New Mexico. Uh, that's where I was born, born in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Kind of grew up there for a little bit when I was around 10 years old. Uh, we moved to San Antonio, Texas, okay? And we were super against the move, uh, didn't like Texas. We were New Mexico people. And now I feel like I'm one of those people that, you know, diehard Texas. I got a Texas flag tattooed on my chest. I don't. But if I, if I was a tattoo person, I still wouldn't do that. But you get it. I'm diehard Texas now. I claim Texas. And so, uh, so early on, we moved to San Antonio, and I was always kind of a, a basketball fan, so it was easy to fall in love with the Spurs. And for those first 20 years of living in San Antonio, it was very easy to be a Spurs fan. I don't know if anybody remembers, but we were getting like a championship every other year. You know, we were just rolling championships out for the Spurs. David Robinson, Tim Duncan, Avery Johnson, Ginobili. Uh, Avery Johnson, how old is this guy? There are newer players than that. It was very easy to be a Spurs fan, though, right? And so 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago, my son was born, Corbin. Some of you might uh, have met him. And I remember he was growing up, and he was maybe like five or six, and there was this basketball game that uh, my parents would let him play on their phone, right? And in this basketball game, the, the starting screen was Kobe Bryant when he was playing for the Lakers, right? Or I guess he didn't play for anybody else. It was Kobe Bryant on the screen. And, and I remember Corbin talking about how much he liked the Lakers. And I was like, I don't think so, buddy. We are not a Lakers family. So there's going to be some smoke in the city if you tell people that you are a Lakers fan. So early on, I had to really school him on how we are Spurs fans, not Laker fans. And I would force that upon him. In maybe an unhealthy way. Who knows the damage I've caused? Who knows the damage we're causing to our children? And so, and so I, I beat it into him enough 
to where he is a Spurs fan now, and, and now he'll, uh, he'll give me a hard time because now it's very diff- I don't know if you keep up with basketball at all. You don't need to. It is very difficult to be a Spurs fan now. They are not good. <laughs> Bless their hearts. <laughs> and so now he'll give me a hard time. He's like, Dad, I, I, I really, uh, I'm really bothered sometimes that you made me a Spurs fan because every time he looks at the Spurs record, he's like, man. That's the history he's bringing. I forced that upon him. Now it's okay to be a Lakers fan because LeBron is there. I'm not, I'm not here to argue with you about LeBron. But if you want to argue, I'm open to it. So, and it reminds me, so we have a, a, one of our leaders here, Zelina. She, uh, she, runs, uh, she runs and leads our, uh, our production team. You probably never see her because she's always in the dark corner making it happen every week. And uh, she is a diehard Cowboys fan. She brings a lot of Cowboy energy every week, a lot of Cowboy energy. And if you don't like the Cowboys, it's going to be hard to be around Zelina because she brings that Cowboy energy. And so if you don't keep up with, sorry, this is, this is not going to be all about sports. I'm just trying to uh, tell you something. But if you don't know, the Cowboys had a pretty tough loss a few weeks ago. And she was telling, she was telling us this, uh, this funny story. She was like, yeah, when the Cowboys lose, I avoid social media. I avoid watching ESPN because people love to just roast the Cowboys every time they lose. It's so entrenched in her to be a Cowboys fan that it hurts her feelings when people talk bad about the Cowboys. Anybody feel that way about a team? Anybody feel that way about a family member maybe? Don't you feel that way someone says something bad about your brother, your sister, or your kids? You're like, no, 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 I can say that about them. I know that they're bad kids. You can't say that they're bad kids. We have a history that we bring. And this same thing that we bring with sports or that we bring with family or that we bring to our traditions, it's the same thing that we bring when it comes to our faith. So I tell you these stories because here's what I want for you and here's what I want you to be thinking about today. And if you're going to be on this journey with us for this series over the next few weeks, is what history are you bringing to your thoughts on religion? What history are you bringing to your thoughts on spirituality? Because if I said, if I said, all right, y'all, for the next 20 minutes, we are going to talk about religion and how good it is for you. There are some of you, not everybody, but there are some of you who might think, ah, I don't know about this whole religion thing. I, I stopped going to that church I used to go to because it was really religious and that was a little too rough for me. Or maybe on the other side, and you say, when I say, hey, we're, gonna, we're really going to dig into our spirituality and explore our spirituality, there's some of you that are like, uh, I'm not really into that whole spirituality thing, Dom. I need some, uh, need some concrete answers. What are we doing? How do we do it? There's something about, sometimes, there's something that we bring maybe to a spirituality conversation that is like, well, uh, you can't quite get your hands around anything, and it's kind of whatever you want it to be, and you're kind of exploring, and it's never really quite there. And so if we can understand the history that we have with those words, with those ideas, the history that we have with religion, the history that we have with spirituality, if we can understand the history that we bring to that, then, then we are ready to dig into religion versus spirituality. And I'm kind of being a little bit cheeky by calling it versus and saying religion versus spirituality because what we're really going to do over the next few weeks is talk about how religion and spirituality go together and how they are both vital to our faith and our growth. So what I want to do is I want to dig into a couple of scriptures today, a couple different verses, verses, 
We're going to read in the book of Matthew, and then we're going to read in the book of James. Now, as we, uh, as, we, as we look at this, if you're not familiar with the Bible, we're going to be reading out of the Passion Translation. So when you, you know, look this up or you have your Bible, it might be a different translation. It's no big deal. Uh, there's a bunch of different translations of the Bible. It doesn't make one right and one wrong. I mean, to some people it does. Uh, but there's a lot of different translations because what we're trying to do is we're taking this ancient language written during this ancient culture, this ancient time, and we are trying to translate it to where you and I can understand what the authors of the Bible were trying to say. So if you have a translation that looks a little bit different, that's a good thing because it gives us a different perspective, a different view of the same ideas. So I want to look at uh, the book of Matthew. Okay, now Matthew is actually an account. It's, called, it's referred to as a gospel. There's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Matthew is an account of some of the things that Jesus did while he was here on earth. Some of the miracles that he was a part of, a lot of his teachings, a lot of things that he would say to his followers. And this particular thing I want to look at, this is Matthew chapter 9, verses 17. People always had a lot of questions for Jesus. And Jesus, the way Jesus answered questions was kind of funny. It was not funny to them. It's funny to me, not funny haha, but funny interesting because he would a lot of times answer questions with parables. So they were asking Jesus about fasting. There was all these laws, all these rules. They wanted to know from Jesus, why aren't you fasting? Why don't your followers fast? Not eat, sacrificially not eating. And Jesus, he regularly would say, let me answer that question with a story. <laughs> can you imagine the eye rolls that would be around Jesus? Here's a direct question, Jesus. Can you answer this question? He's like, you know, I have a story about that. So watch what he says here, okay? The disciples of John the baptizer, they approached Jesus and they said, why is it that we and the Pharisees fast regularly, but you and your disciples do not? And so check out what Jesus says. This is verse 17. And who would pour fresh new wine into an old wineskin? I don't know a lot about wine, but you don't need to know a lot about wine to understand what Jesus is trying to say here. Stay with me. And who would pour fresh new wine into old wineskin? Eventually the wine will ferment and make the wineskin burst, losing everything. The wine is spilled and the wineskin ruined. Instead, new wine is always poured into a new wineskin so that both are preserved. We sometimes sing a song around here at the heart about new wine. So what I want us to see here is not a story about wine, but a story about a new way of thinking, a new way of believing. You can make the argument that Jesus was new wine. Jesus was the newness coming around. The way that Jesus taught was the newness that he was trying to introduce. And people were trying to understand, like, look, we've had this way of doing things for thousands of years. And then this man, Jesus, comes along, and he says, here's the new way of thinking about things. And people don't take kindly to new ways of doing things around here. So say, hey, we've already had a way of doing things. And what Jesus is trying to say, this is my opinion, what Jesus is trying to say here, what it looks like Jesus is trying to say is, if you have something new coming, 
If you are starting to explore your faith, sometimes this new way of exploring your faith will not fit into the old way you have of doing things. So if you're trying to jam-pack this new way of approaching your faith into the old way you've been doing things, it might burst. It might mess up. So what if we had this new way of approaching our faith, this new way of approaching our life, and we said, there is nothing wrong with the old ways, but I don't know if the old ways are fitting with the new ways. Very, very progressive of Jesus and very dangerous. So dangerous of a thought, so dangerous of words to say that it led to his death. That's how much people do not take kindly to the new ways of doing things. So what does that mean for us? Does that mean that religion is the enemy, right? Does that mean that religion is no good because religion says this is the old way of doing things? A lot of us, maybe our thought, our thought process when it comes to the word religion is, okay, religion is tradition. Religion is ritual. I grew up going to Catholic church. Anybody else grow up going to Catholic church or variation of Catholic church? There's a lot of religion when it comes to Catholic church. Every Sunday, mass looks the same feels the same. When I was a kid, I would take the, a nap at the same time. It was my ritual. I took a nap religiously at church. <laughs> so does that mean that we can't experience religion because we're trying to discover this new way, this new wine, because we're trying to put this new way of approaching our faith into a new way of life? Does that mean that there is no room for religion? Well, if we only tell this side of the story, yeah, it does seem that way. If you only ever in your whole life read what Jesus said right there, it does seem like Jesus is saying, forget the old ways. Forget the way you have been thinking. Forget what you have done. Here's the new way. Because the truth is, that type of thinking, that type of approach can be very healthy for your faith. It can be very healthy for a lot of areas of your life, but I'm not your counselor. You can, do, you can live your life however you want. But it can be very, very helpful for our faith. Now, there's another verse I want to read. This is in the book of James. Now, James was a follower of Jesus. And a lot of times when you read the Bible, it, it, it can be fun to look up, and you don't have to, but it can be fun to look up the, the particular book you're reading out of. Is it a letter that was written to somebody? Is it a poem that was written? Is it a song that was being written? Because a lot of times in the, in, the, in the Old Testament, for sure, you can read, you can read some stuff there, and it, it's, uh, it reads like poetry, because it is. So here's what I want to do. In the book of James, the book of James is written by a man named James. And he's sharing a little bit about, what we're going to read is a little bit about what it looks like to live out your faith. What your faith can look like in action. And it's an age-old debate that we're not going to solve today. <laughs> okay, watch this. This is James chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 14 through 17. Check this out. This is James. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, what good is it? If someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good works to prove it. 
How could this kind of faith save anyone? For example, if a brother or sister in the faith is poorly clothed and hungry, and you leave them saying, goodbye, I hope, to, I hope you stay warm and have plenty to eat, but you don't provide them with a coat or even a cup of soup, what good is your faith? So then faith that doesn't have, that doesn't involve action is phony. Faith that doesn't involve action is phony. You might have heard it said this way, faith without works is dead. And maybe if you grew up in church, you heard the argument of the, uh, of the, the faith versus works. Are we saved by our faith or are we saved by the things that we do? So if I wanted to, I could make an argument. I could yell at you about, oh, I guess I'm yelling at you right now, but I could yell at you angrily uh, about this particular verse and say, you need to do stuff. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you just believe, big whoop. James says we need to act out our faith because if we believe and we're exploring our faith, we have this new wine, so we're thinking about things differently. Man, my faith is growing because I'm thinking about my faith differently. My faith is growing because I am exploring my spirituality. If we look at this, we look what James is saying here, we might say, big whoop. It doesn't matter if you're exploring your spirituality. Are you doing anything? Is your faith helping anyone? So if we look at this, I can make the argument that this new spirituality thing ain't got time for it. I can make the argument that spirituality doesn't help anybody, that religion helps people. The rules, the structure, structure helps people. Knowing what to do this week to grow our faith, that helps people. I, I, I could argue that just exploring your spirituality doesn't do anything for you, doesn't do anything for the people around you. But if you put in the work and you do the works, see, this is, this is a little tongue-in-cheek, right? It's a little sarcastic. You walk by somebody who's cold and hungry, and you say, God bless. Hope tomorrow's a warmer day for you. I am personally busy, but I hope that you get food soon. Right, it's a little tongue-in-cheek, a little sarcastic. But the point being made is we need to do something. And I think a lot, maybe not a lot of us, and maybe, uh, I mean, I, I need to acknowledge what the history I'm bringing to this conversation, right, to religion and spirituality. Me, personally, I have some bad blood with the word religion. Me, personally, in, the, in my journey of faith, I have been kind of where James maybe is here, thinking like spirituality, come on, man. What are you really doing, though? Is you exploring your spirituality, helping to grow your faith? Or are you just saying you're exploring your spirituality so you can go do whatever you want? So I, I wrote a few things down that I want to I share with you. And if you're taking notes, write this down or, or take a photo or just look at it. Religion and spirituality are not opposites of each other. They're two sides of the same coin. They're two sides of the same thing. They're not opposites. That's what I want to really dig into over the next couple of weeks with y'all. They're not opposites. What we'll see, what we'll find out, is they actually work together to grow our faith. And here's what I wanted to do today. If you're taking notes, write this down too. When we address what we bring to our views, when we address what we bring to our faith, 
when we're honest about where we are, that's when we give ourselves the space that we need to grow our faith. It can't happen if we're not honest with where we're coming from, right? It can't happen if we're not honest about the baggage that we bring with the word religion. It can't happen if we're not honest about the baggage that we bring to this new spirituality, this new way of thinking. Because here's what it is. This is very much an oversimplification, but see if you can hang with me on this one. Religion helps us to remember what God has done. Spirituality prompts our hearts for what God may do. You see that? You see that? In the same way that you make room for the newness that God can bring, this new wine that Jesus was talking about, right? This new wine is not going to fit in old wineskins. It won't work. This new way of thinking, you can't jam-pack it into the old way of thinking. But what we can do is make space and make time and give energy to remember what God has done. A lot of your growth in your faith will very much be prompted by what God has done. But how we continue to grow is making room for what God may do. That's how I know that religion and spirituality need to go together for us to continue to grow. Because there's so much power in remembering what God has done. Look back, look back and reflect on what God has done in your life. On where you used to be in your spirituality, where you used to be in your faith. And look back at what God has done. Ask the people around you. Ask the people around you, what has God done in your life? Watch them reflect. See what God has done. But what I want for you as well is not just to reflect on what God has done. Not just to remember what God has done, but to make room in your heart, to prompt your heart, to prompt your faith, to be ready for what God will do. Because the bad side, the negative side of religion, if we're using religion as a bad word, religion says God has already done everything that he will do. So we will spend each week remembering what God has done. And if we just use spirituality, if we just use that as a bad word, then we say, we don't look back. There's no time for what has been. We are only looking forward to what could be. And so there's something about spirituality, if we're not careful, that can be a little bit directionless. But... If we are not afraid of the word religion and we're not afraid of the word spirituality, then what we see is this combination, this powerful combination of being guided by what has been, being guided by what was, being guided by what God has done and hopeful for what God will do, ready for what God will do, expectant for what God can and will do. That's what I want for you. It's what I want for me. It's what I want for our faith. To be grateful and reflective for what God has done, but ready, ready and expectant for what he will do. Because God is not done. He's not done speaking. 
He's not done creating. There's sometimes I like to remind myself that there's a verse early on in the Bible where God talks about us humans being created in his image. And sometimes for myself, that created can seem past tense. I guess it can seem that way because created is past tense. But what I like to remind myself is I have been created in God's image, but I am not done being created yet. And the reason I know that is I can look back six months. I can look back a year. I can look back 10 years. And I can see that I have changed. I have grown. I have fallen. I have made mistakes. And I know, I know that I am still on the way to becoming who God would have me be. I am so grateful that God didn't stop creating me when I was uh, in my 20s, which is just a few short years ago. I'm so grateful that I wasn't being done created then because how much would I have missed out on if I would have said, all right, God's done. God's done doing what he was going to do. I don't need to think about more. I don't need to wait for more because God has already done what he's going to do in my life. How stuck would I be right now? What about for you? How stuck would you be if 10 years ago that is when God was done creating you? That's the person you were and you never have grown since then. How much would you have missed out on in your life? So what if we decided together that we were going to be a group of people that is not afraid to reflect and remember what God has done? And at the same time, we are expectant, hopeful, ready for what God can and will do in our faith, what God can and will do in our marriage, what God can and will do in our parenting. What kind of people could we be? Now we become people who are continuously being created. Because we choose to change. We choose to grow. We choose to pursue. We choose to expect. We choose to hope. In the same way that we choose to reflect. We choose to remember. Because ignoring what God has done doesn't change what God has done. And ignoring what's in front of us doesn't change the newness that will happen. It will change the newness that we allow in, right? We can be these people that are just old wineskins walking around. Nothing new here. No room for that. What if you were ready for a little bit of newness? What if this week you let yourself expect a little bit? How could your faith grow? How could your marriage grow? How could your relationships grow? If you said this week, I'm going to expect something new from God. I'm not going to not remember, but I'm also going to allow myself to expect. That's what I want for you. That's what I hope for you. If you could close your eyes real quick and bow your head, I want to pray for you this morning. Every now and then I like to give you a challenge. I'm going to do that this morning with your eyes closed. I want to challenge you with this. In a second, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And I want you to raise your hand if... You're going to take this challenge. The challenge is this. This week, no matter where you are in your journey of faith, no matter what you have brought with you to the word religion or to the word spirituality, I want to challenge you to expect something new, to be ready for something new from God. Ready for a new way uh, of approaching your faith. Ready for a, a, a new word he gives you. 
ready for a new way. Uh, maybe you, you read an old Bible verse that you've read before and you see something new in that. I don't know what it looks like for you. I, can't, I, I would never be able to nail down what it looks like for you, but my challenge for you is this, to expect something new this week from God. If you'll take that challenge with me on the count of three, put your hand up. One, two, three, put your hand up real quick. All right, go ahead and take, put it down. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you have been. Thank you so much for what you have done. Thank you so much that you have created us. But God, we are ready today. Give us the bravery and the boldness that we need to expect the new. To be ready for what you will do. To be hopeful for what you can do. To expect it, God. I pray that we would not be afraid to expect. Not be afraid to put our faith out there. Not be afraid to grow. So we love you, God. We pray that in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Heart Podcast. At The Heart, we like to say you don't have to go to church here to go to church here. That means you are already part of the community just by listening to the message today. If today's message connected with you, we want to invite you to share it with someone who may benefit from it. We would love to be a part of your journey of faith please visit us online at www.theheart.church forward slash next to see what your next step may be. And if you live near San Marcos, Texas, we would like to invite you to visit us in person this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Remember to be bold this week and connect with those around you. It's how your relationships grow and how your faith grows.